And so our reading is James uh, chapter 1, starting from verse 17 and reading up to verse 27. It's James chapter 1, starting at verse 17. Every good and perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of the heavenly lights, who does not change like shifting shadows. He chose to give us birth through the word of truth that we might be a kind of first fruits of all he created. My dear brothers and sisters, take note of this. Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry, because human anger does not produce the righteousness that God desires. Therefore, get rid of all moral filth and the evil that is so prevalent, and humbly accept the word planted in you, which can save you. Do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. Anyone who listens to the word but does not do what it says is like someone who looks at his face in a mirror and after looking at himself goes away and immediately forgets what he looks like. But whoever looks intently into the perfect law that gives freedom and continues in it, not forgetting what they have heard but doing it, they will be blessed in what they do. Those who consider themselves religious and yet do not keep a tight rein on their tongues deceive themselves and their religion is worthless. Religion that God our Father accepts as pure and faultless is this, to look after orphans and widows in their distress and to keep oneself from being polluted by the world. Well, good afternoon, everyone. Really good to see you. It makes a difference with the sun being out, right? Everyone had a good weekend so far. well, we're carrying on our series in James. Good to see if you're watching online as well. And it's challenging. It's challenging again. So we need God's help. Um, so I'm going to pray as we start. Lord, we just heard those words that we want to pray again. Speak, O Lord. Speak, O Lord. Take your truth and plant it deep in us. Shape and fashion us in your likeness. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Not that long ago, uh, I read a book called Digital Minimalism, a book by a guy called Cal Newport. I don't know if anyone's read it. Um, it's a very, very challenging book, a really, really good book. And it gets basically to our, our sort of consumption or our addiction to technology. So why is it that when we go to the loo, we have to take our phone with us? Like, we couldn't just go to the loo. We have to obviously have our phone to do some things there, you know, at the same time. Or why is it that when we wake up in the morning, we have to grab by our badge, find the phone, and, and check our emails or go on, on the news. Are there any person to do that? No, I'm sure I'm not. Other people do that as well. Or, or while you're, you know, you're washing your kids uh, with one hand but going through Twitter on the other, and, and Cal Newport says, no, you can't carry on like that. There's a better way. And it, it's a really great book that sort of tackles that. Others agree with me. If you just look on the screen behind, uh, someone said, it will transform many lives for the better including my own, if you read it. Someone else said, I challenge you not to, de- not to devour this uh, wonderful book in one sitting. I certainly did and started applying Cal's ideas to my life immediately. Brilliant book, challenging. The only problem for me was that last bit, applying Cal's ideas to my own life. I listened to it, read it page, page by page. I absorbed it, I told other people about it, but But actually putting it into practice, yeah, that didn't go so well. 
Sure, I gave up Facebook for a bit, put a few limits on apps and things like that, but didn't really put the principles to, to work in my life. I wonder if others can maybe resonate with that kind of thing. And look, if I respond to Cal Newport and his book like that, it's not the end of the world. The world carries on. If we respond to God's words in the Bible like that, yeah, there's a problem. See, it's not just enough just to, to receive God's words in the Bible without putting them into practice or to hear them without obeying. Or in James's language, to listen without doing as well. James will say to us, don't be deceived. It really matters. How we respond to the word of God, oh, that's vital. It really, really matters. Well, James, uh, sorry, Mark rather, got the name of the person leading the service, right? Mark, at the beginning of the service, said, said that last week in this book of James, uh, we saw those two themes, trials and temptations. And, and the message there was that don't blame God, trust his goodness. He is using these things for your good. And this section flows out from last week. And so in the good times, but also in the midst of trials and temptations, how will you, how will I respond to God's word? It's a paramount importance. Two things I want to see today from this passage in James. Pretty simple points, um, but profoundly uh, profound and, and, and hard to put into practice. The first one then, humbly receive God's words. Humbly receive God's words, verses 19 to 21. If you've got a Bible there, the second half of verse 21, did you see that command? This is the main command. It says, humbly accept the word planted in you. Oh, the reading that Joe um, gave, verse 18, something similar. He chose to give us birth through the word of truth. Verse 21 again. So humbly accept the word planted in you. Question, what, what's the word? Well, the word in its narrow definition is was the gospel message of salvation, that good gift from God, that in his kindness and his mercy, God has given us spiritual life. He has given us new birth. But more broadly, the, the word can be interchangeable, as we'll see later in verse 25, with well, the, the perfect law that gives freedom. Therefore, I think it's legitimate to see the word as, in its broadest sense, that the whole word, the whole of the Bible. So, yes, God is the one who has planted the, the seed of the gospel in us. He is the one that brings us salvation. He's the one that brings us new birth. But we have a responsibility. We have a role to play, verse 21, because we're to humbly accept. We're to humbly receive the word planted in us. And if we do it, it has the power to change us. It really does. It has the power to transform us, to help give us that single-mindedness that James is all about. And so really the big question today, if there's one big question, is how will we respond to this word? Kind of one thing. <laughs> how will we respond to this word? It's what the passage is all about. And verse 19, where we start our passage today, starts off by showing us how to do that. It might be familiar to you what James says here. Uh, be quick to listen, slow to speak, slow to become angry. And I've, I've read a few things this week. Um, 
theologians, commentators, sort of Bible scholars, very interesting people like that, uh, commenting on this verse in verse 19, they say that it sort of stands alone, lots of them. That this, uh, James is, is a bit sort of disconnected, disjointed, uh, a bit random, and so he's just kind of left behind what he said last week, and then he's, you know, pops up with these, uh, this command in verse 19. And so we might take this as sort of good advice for a dinner party. Um, you know, if you're on a table with someone posh there, be, um, you know, be quick to listen to their stories, even if they're a bit boring. Uh, be slow to speak about yourself. And if you're getting angry in life, we'll count to 10 and, uh, and everything will be, uh, be okay. Well, maybe that's what James is saying here. Proverbs talks a bit about this. That wouldn't be wrong. But actually the context that we heard read of verse 18 and 21 focuses on the word. So if that's true, the focus on the word, and also we need to ask why in verse 19 is James saying this particular bit here in the letter? Well, I think it leads us to say that verse 19 is not primarily about how we interact and respond to other people. Rather, it's how we respond to the word. And so, verse 19, be quick to listen to God's word. Be slow to speak over or against God's word. The kind of, yeah, yeah, I know that. Yeah, I've heard the gospel. Yeah, I heard that when I was a young Christian. I don't really need to hear that again. That kind of thing. The old saying goes, that you might have heard of this. Um, you've got two ears and one mouth, which ought to remind us to listen more than we speak. Have you ever heard that before? Quite like that. Two ears, one mouth. But we're also to be slow to become angry to God's word as well. Charlotte and I are trying at the moment to do a sort of Bible reading plan where we read through the whole Bible over two years and just about keeping up so far, you can ask us in a couple of months how we're doing on that as well. But you know what it's like when you read the Bible and, and there's some bits that are just purple passages. You know, Psalm 23, the Lord's my shepherd, or the prodigal son, brilliant. And there's other bits that you sometimes, maybe in our hearts, go, oh, that's a, that's a bit harder. Oh, I'm not sure what I... Oh, I'm not sure about that bit. Have you, maybe you've had that where you maybe get a bit annoyed or maybe even angry at God's word. Maybe as it challenges our lifestyle or where it tells us to have joy in the midst of trials like it did last week. Or what the Bible maybe says about hell. Maybe some of you have been on the, the recent Christianity Explored course, and as you've seen a little bit of Mark's gospel, you've seen some bits, oh, fantastic, I love that. Other bits, ooh, yeah, I'm not sure about that. See, it's very easy for us to talk over God, to, in the language of Hebrews 3, as we looked at some of us in small groups this week, to harden our heart to God's words, rather than humbly receiving it and accepting it. And verse 20 says that when we do that to God's word, it doesn't please him. Or in the language of the passage, it doesn't produce the righteousness that God desires. In fact, it, it leads to moral filth and uncleanness, James says. What are we to do then? What are we to do? Well, the main command, verse 21, as we saw, humbly accept humbly receive the word planted in us, that the gospel message, the message of salvation, the message of the Bible, because James says it can save you. That's a bit surprising, maybe that he says that. It's worth saying here, he's, he's not talking about conversion. 
that we might think he's talking about. Because James's readers here have been saved. The word has, has already been planted in them. Now, rather, he's got the end in mind here, the future. Yes, God has planted the word in you if you're a Christian, but it's not done with you. It's our ongoing authority, our ongoing guide. Think of it a little bit like the parable of the sower. You know, with the seed scattered, will we be good soil where that word will, will grow and flourish in our lives? That's why it's so important. If we humbly receive it, God is fully able to, to sustain us, yes, at the beginning, but all the way to the end. So question, what's our ongoing posture towards God's word? Humbly receiving it or pride? Are we quick to listen, slow to speak, slow to become angry, or is it the other way around maybe in our lives? That we're pretty, uh, well, pretty slow to listen, pretty quick to speak against, get angry with. The kind of attitude that says, I don't really need this. I, I know better. Whether we say that explicitly or implicitly, is, is that us? Single-minded faith means that we'll be quick listeners to the word. I don't know how you do that in your life. That might be, uh, I don't know, an audio Bible, David Suchet, available for free, Poirot, uh, on Bible Gateway app, if maybe you've got that on your phone, where you can listen to the, the Bible, humbly receive it. It's a great way to do that. I think it will mean listening to the Old Testament as well as the New Testament. It will mean reading it slowly at times to really let it sink in. Memorizing it, maybe with kids as well. But it can be really hard to listen, can't it? Really, really hard. That's what Cal Newport's book is all about, that we're so distracted with, with so many different things going on that we're, we sometimes struggle just to listen to the word, don't we? Maybe you've heard the, the story of the, the preacher. He preached a sermon and um, chatting to someone on the door at the end. And uh, he said to this member of the congregation, uh, how did you find the sermon today? How, how was it for you? And uh, fishing a bit maybe to say that, isn't it? But anyway, there we go. How did you find the sermon? And, and this man said to him, yeah, no, it was okay. Did you know that in the pulpit behind you, there's 384 bricks on the wall? And uh, pretty discouraging for the preacher. It's probably a made up story, but yeah, don't, don't count, by the way. There's more than 384. I, I have realized that behind here. But whether it's from bricks or other, it's so easy to get distracted from listening well, isn't it, to the Word? Have you ever found yourself reading the Bible on your, your phone or your tablet? And you, you're suddenly five YouTube videos in, and you don't even know how you got there. Oh, yeah, I, I came here to read the Bible, didn't I? Oh, yeah, okay, back to that. <laughs> well, you're in the middle of reading your Bible, and the doorbell goes. It's a, it's a delivery, or, or you realize you've lost your keys, and but I'm supposed to be reading some of Proverbs here. And, where are they? Look, those things are natural. Those things happen to all of us, of course, but are we quick to listen to the word? I realized this week that, you know, when uh, we get the weekly email on Friday, I'm sure it's the highlight of, of everyone's week as that comes into the inbox. New, new format uh, this week from Kirsten. I hope people notice that. Um, but but as, as you get that in your... Your inbox. Uh, do, you, do you know the bit where it says, um, this week Nathan's going to be preaching on James. Uh, um, why not have a read beforehand? Ooh. What about the bit 
uh, when the Bible study group leader says, oh, we're in Hebrews chapter da-da-da today, um, probably worth having a read before the evening starts. I realise I'm rubbish at that. I mean, I, I have read this before I preach, just to clarify today. But if someone else is preaching or, or you know, if someone else is leading this, yeah, am I really listening quickly? Am I making that space and time? I found that challenging. And what about those moments in, in sermons that really, really rub up against us? Those bits, if we're honest, we, we get a bit angry about, get annoyed at. Look, I'm not saying for one minute that we can't uh, question or wrestle or challenge, especially if, you know, Jeremy or I have said something and you think, oh, I'm not sure about that, or I want to ask questions. Brilliant, that's great. But what about when it really riles you? Something in God's words. Will we have those proud sort of defences up or will we humbly accept and receive like good soil, knowing that it can transform us, that it can save us, James says. Single-minded faith humbly receives. And one of the ways that, that we see that is the second point, the second of our two points today, that we're be, to be people who actively do God's word, who actively do it. Verse 22, have a look down. It says, do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves, do what it says. This is one of the ways that it shows that we're humbly receiving it, (laughs) if we do it, if we put it to work. And so the pattern here, do you see in James, is, is listen, do. Hear, obey. That's the pattern. It's not that dissimilar, is it, to Jesus's words, maybe on the slides again. Coming up, Jesus said this in Matthew chapter 7 on the Sermon on the Mount. He said, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who builds his house on the rock. So kids, if you still sing that song, the wise man built his house. Do you know that one? Um, So I'm not quite sure why I sang that, but there we go. Uh, Jesus says this as well as James, that we're to be people that put them into practice. And so did you notice the surprise here? That James isn't just saying, oh, we've listened, that's enough. Thank you, job done, I've listened to it. He's saying, no, no, that would be deceiving yourself. So I don't know what it's like on a Sunday afternoon for you, maybe watching at home. Uh, I'm not picking at you, I'm going to pick on people in church as well, don't worry. But uh, 4.29, maybe the kettle's boiled, we pour the tea, we tune in uh, online and... 5.30 or so, the service is over, and we we go back to our lives, and and it's made no difference. James would say, yeah, there's a problem there. Or we come to the building, and we come in at 4.29 and take our coats off, or probably keep them on at the moment, sit down, and and the hour's up, and thank you, Nathan, fantastic, nice to be here, okay, off. And it makes no difference to our lives. James would say we're being deceived. But he shows us very helpfully a wrong way and a right way to respond to the word. The, the wrong way, first of all, then, is, is listening and forgetting. Listening and forgetting. Charlotte, um, sure, sure in the past, has kind of sent me a text, if I'm maybe at the church office. Nathan, on the way home, can you pick up milk and bread? And I've received it at three o'clock. And uh, <laughs> saw someone looking at their husband there. Oh, this has happened to them as well. But anyway, you, you turn up, and either you've forgotten completely, or you come home with sort of Maltesers in one hand and a bag of popcorn in the other. I mean, in some ways, that's a win, right, for everyone, but also not very helpful for breakfast. Maybe it 
could be it could be helpful for breakfast in the morning. But what's happened there? You've you've listened and you've forgotten. <laughs> That's a silly example, but there's a better example that James gives us. It's always nice when a preacher has an illustration that's already in the Bible. So let's look at that, verse 23. James says, anyone who listens to the word but does not do what it says is like someone who looks at his face in a mirror and after looking at himself goes away and immediately forgets what he looks like. It's a bit ridiculous, isn't it? What he's saying here. Here's a mirror. I don't want to blind anyone. Uh, if it hits you. But um, you, you look in the mirror and, uh, and here you go. Yeah, I need my hair cut, but there's a few months till that. Uh, you look at yourself in the mirror and, um, and maybe you've got some makeup smudged on your face. Or you look in the mirror and you've got some gravy in your beard. That's a bit, that's a bit gross, isn't it? And you look at it and then you go, okay. Yeah, and you carry on with your life. That would be ridiculous, wouldn't it, if you did that? Kids, you know, if you've got gravy in your beard, if you've got beards, maybe, and uh, you looked at that and then you carried on with that would be ridiculous, wouldn't it? But the punch here is that James is saying the Bible is a mirror. The Bible is the mirror, and it would be ridiculous if we looked at it and, and we saw this, this mirror of what God is saying in his words, and we just kind of carried on our life ignoring what it says. That would be as ridiculous as seeing gravy in your beard or makeup smudged and just carrying on with life and forgetting that. See, the Bible is a mirror. And it's a mirror that, that shows us ourselves. It shows us the, the depth of our sin. But it also shows us the, the beauty and the wonder of Jesus Christ. As we look in the mirror. And so don't just listen and forget in ear, in one ear, out the other, la di da di da. We've looked in the mirror and we're carrying on with like, don't, don't be like that. No, there's, there's that wrong way, but there's a right way. And the right way of doing it, James says, is to listen and to do where it has an effect on our life. Uh, look at verse 25. James says, but whoever looks intently into the perfect law that gives freedom and continues in it, not forgetting what they have heard, but doing it, they will be blessed in what they do. As I said at the beginning, word and law um, can sort of be interchangeable in this passage. Looking into the perfect law means, particularly reading the Old Testament law through the, interpreting it through the lens of Jesus Christ. That's particularly in view here. And actually when we do that, James says, it, it, it brings us freedom. Maybe you're not a Christian here, watching online, or, or maybe you are a Christian, and you think that the law, well, that would just be sort of like shackles or burden. But no, properly applied through Jesus Christ, the law, James says, brings, well, flourishing as you live in harmony with the God who made you. And so the pattern, he says, is to look, at, and you look at the words, and you do it as you see what is there and it brings freedom, and it brings blessing. That's the result. But that sounds really simple, doesn't it? In some ways, it's a very, very simple sermon. I joked with Charlotte earlier that I could preach this sermon in about 20 seconds. Maybe some of you are wishing that I had, but, but listen and do. That's really it, in some ways. There's a little bit more detail than that. But actually, James thinks there's a danger that we're going to be deceived in verse 22. And so it's really important just towards the end that we think seriously about how this applies to our lives at Trinity and at Crouch End as well as you're watching this. 
And I think one of the dangers for us as a church at Trinity is for our type of church that, that, that prioritizes knowing the Bible, um, that prioritizes taking notes in sermons and those kind of good things and, and Bible studies and, and preachers that we hope, you know, take the Bible very seriously. The danger for us is that because of that, we think we've arrived. Oh, we've done Romans in, you know, last year as our book of the year. Romans, I mean, it's pretty, yeah, come on. It's a good book. We've done that. Or we, did, we even did Hosea in small groups. I mean, come on, that's pretty, yeah, pat, us, pat ourselves on the back for that. And, and we think we've arrived, ticked it off. But if we're not putting it to practice, if we're not putting it to work in our lives, we're a little bit like a doctor who's, who's trained for, for seven years in the classroom, but never actually been into a, a hospital or been into a GP surgery, never put what they've learned into practice. See, coming to church, accumulating good Bible knowledge, it, that's not enough. That was a great thing, don't get me wrong, but it's not enough. No, information without transformation is not enough. See, in light of being saved, in light of the glorious gospel which has been planted in you if you're a Christian, we have a responsibility to be single-minded in the way that we respond, to be a doer of God's word. I remember a few years ago, I was really struggling with... Um, uh, just a particular season in terms of listening to preaching uh, this particular um, at this particular time. And I remember it just wasn't really hitting my heart, wasn't really making much of a difference in my life. And I um, remember chatting to an older Christian about this and saying, uh, saying this to him. And uh, he listened to me and sympathized in you know, some ways to what, to what I was saying. But he also said to me, well, God's word isn't boring and you still need to apply what you're hearing because it's still needs to kind of work on your life and you need to put it into practice. He said it very gently, but it was, it was quite a challenge, actually. I was thinking, well, it's not really my fault. It's you know, maybe the person preaching or, or other circumstances. Maybe the elements there. But, but actually, I had a responsibility as I listened to be a doer as well. And I'm glad he said that to me. I love at Trinity that something I've not seen at Bible studies at other churches before, but... When we study a book of the Bible in small groups, we have a whole session for, for application at the end of Philippians or Hosea. That's really good to value that time where we go, yeah, how is this going to connect? What the rubber hitting the road in our life? We're trying to do that in this James series and having that little slot at the end as well. What, what's it going to be look, looking like in our lives as well? Maybe you've got practices personally. I don't know what they might be on a Sunday night. Have a chocolate or whatever you do on a, on a Sunday night um, and, and, and think through, you know, maybe just one thing from the sermon or something that you think, okay, how am I going to let that really kind of rub into my life? A friend of mine used to do that on a Monday morning on the bus on the way into work, just to kind of reflect on the notes that they've made the day before and think, yeah, how can this change me? A concrete example, just I think this, this hits home hopefully, is, is those moments I'd Pretty much all of us, I'm sure, have had those moments in sermons, um, light bulb moments, I like to think of. Where, have you ever had that where someone has said something in, in a sermon or, or something's jumped up from the Bible verse that we've looked at? And it's like the light bulb, the switch just goes on and, and our conscience is, is kind of pricked and we realise that we need to respond. 
have you ever had that? Maybe it's, um, oh, I need to put that relationship right with that person. Or I need to say sorry to my brother or sister or my mum and dad for that thing that happened earlier. Or I need to actually do something with that standing order giving form that I've had on my desk for about five months. Okay, yeah, I'll do that. Having the light bulb moments, James would say, that's not enough. It, it matters how we respond, what we do with that. Will we, in the way of the mirror, listen and forget, or will we listen and do? David Jackman, who some of you might know, uh, put it something like this, I think. He said, every time you, you hear something from the Bible and don't do it, it's like we put another layer of impenetrability there. Listening to the Bible, I was thinking this week, is, is high stakes, isn't it? It's quite dangerous because it really matters if we just listen to it and don't do anything with it. It's not like reading Cal Newport or J.K. Rowling or Shakespeare where we can read it and go, oh, that was nice, fine, and move on with my life. No, it's not like that. It's a different genre, isn't it? It's the word of God. So as we finish, God through that implanted word, the seed of the gospel, that, that has always got to come first. That, that is what God has done. That comes first always. But in light of that amazing grace of that salvation, we're to be doers. So that means when we're called to repent in God's words, we want to repent. When we're called to forgive, yeah, we want to forgive. When we're told to persevere in trials, we want to, with his help, persevere. When we're called to love, to love, forgive, forgive. You, you know what it goes as it goes on. And James, actually, at the end of this passage, we don't have time for it today, but he, he unpacks all of these things in, in future weeks, so he will deal with them. But he calls us to three things at the end, very surprising things that respond, uh, that, that there are a kind of outworking of this listening and doing. For us to have a rain on our tongues, for us to look out for, for widows and orphans, and to not be polluted by the world, not to be double-minded. And of course there'll be times, won't there, times and seasons in my life, and I'm sure yours as well, where you've, you've looked in the mirror of God's word and you've, well, just ignored it. We, we, we've had those times, haven't we, all of us? And we can come to God for forgiveness for those times and, and help as we go forward, because he has put this seed in us this word of, of the gospel in us. He's given us a new heart where we're then able to receive the word humbly and to actively do it as well. It's a wonderful thing. Well, let's have a few moments quiet and then I'll lead us in a prayer. Father, then we are sorry for those times where we've looked in the mirror and the Bible and um, if we're honest, we've just really ignored what it says or perhaps we've looked at it and don't like what it says and, and gone our own way and we're sorry for that. Sorry when I've done that, Lord, as well. And I just pray that, that from this, in light of that gospel, in light of the message of salvation, of new birth, that we'll be people with new hearts who, who respond to you 
positively, who practice and do your word. Thank you for the evidence of that at Trinity already in many, many different ways. And I pray that we'll be people going forward who would be not just listeners, but doers as well. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.